This installment of Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, sees the crew discussing a pervasive cultural artifact, the Fifty Shades of Grey series of books. With the release of the movie's first trailer, the internet is abuzz with talk of the series, and some of it is coming from Christians. This is not simply harmless entertainment. It's pornography, and its effects change a person's attitudes and behaviors on a fundamental level. This is Mortification of Spin with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird, a weekly podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We can only continue Mortification of Spin with your support. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation or call 1-800-488-1888. Keep listening after the podcast for a free MP3 download. Okay, so here we are at the underground bunker, and I'm here with my co-host talking about the latest phenomenon that we've noticed with the um, trailer release of the upcoming movie Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, It's not coming out until Valentine's Day, February 2015, and yet many women, uh, Christian women included, are posting on Facebook how they're excited to go see it. They've read the book. Apparently, uh, over... 100 million people have bought the book, and although 20% of those people are male, the audience is mostly women over 50 and housewives home with the kids. And this book is, um, it's a erotic fiction book. So we're sitting here trying to figure out why uh, so many Christian women are bragging about going to see this movie and just the success of the book in general, right guys? Yeah. And, you know, I guess part of my question is, is the greater offense that people are reading an obscene book or uh, that so many are reading just a poorly written book? Because apparently with Fifty Shades of Grey, you get you get both, right? <laughs> obscene material that's just really poorly written. And can I say also that one of the things I'm grateful for about Fifty Shades of Grey, given our conversation, is that it's written by a British woman and not an American woman. So, Carl, uh, this is your problem. Yes. What do you have to say well, for yourself? Shakespeare, Milton. <laughs> uh, I, obviously, every nation has its William Shatner kind of <laughs> to cope with. But I do feel, on the whole, the overall balance of uh, contribution, cultural yeah. contribution that uh, England has made, has vastly overwhelms any of the the that's, junk. That's uh, probably true. But Amy, didn't you point? Didn't you read that uh, that Fifty Shades of Grey is the top selling paperback book of all time? The fastest selling paperback fastest selling paperback of all, book of all time. time. Yes. Yeah, that's um, that's remarkable and really sad. I I guess. So Amy, you 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 posted something on this whole phenomenon with the movie coming out now. Fifty Shades of Grey is making lots of of news, kind of fresh news again. With and and you posted something. You got some interesting kind of comments, even some pushback. Uh, from um, a little bit of pushback. Speakers. Mainly it was, um, you know, some women haven't heard about it. A lot of them on there have said that they're experiencing the same strange um, reaction, like friends of theirs going to see it and excited about it, or so many um, professing Christians who have read the book. And the whole, se- right. it's a series, so right. um, a trilogy. But um, yeah, then I've had some moms tell me that it was just mindless entertainment and something fun to go laugh at with our friends, which I find a little troubling because I, I don't think it's meant to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. And um, just to have women portrayed in that way, it, I don't see anything funny about that. 
And then I've also had a woman say that as a Christian, her thoughts about God and her worship and church going have nothing to do with what she watches and what she reads. Mm -hmm. And that she's glad that, you know, women can be free and open talking about sex like this and consensual and That's remarkable. I think in response to that, one would say two things. Um, First of all, it, I mean, it is good that women can speak openly about sex, but this is not speaking openly about sex. This is a pornographic mm. movie. And right. Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians, uh, mm-hmm. Ephesians 5 verse 3, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Well, it seems to me that if uh, sexual immorality should not be named among the saints, it should, uh, certainly should not be a source of entertainment among the saints. One might also follow up by saying that we know pornography alters the neural pathways of the brain. People who watch pornography over an extended period of time become different people. They think about other people differently. They think about their own bodies and their own sexuality differently. This is not just harmless entertainment. It's not just watching a Mr. Magoo cartoon or an Mm. old rerun of the Waltons or something like that. This is uh, material that transforms who you are and for a christian to indulge in that uh, i think one can say one of two things either they're remarkably badly taught and stupid christian or they're not a christian at all Mm -hmm. i don't see that there is any uh, middle ground between those two conclusions there right yeah Uh, it's very it's very clear that we're to flee uh, sexual immorality and um, and as you pointed out, Carl, pornography not only and it's proven it, it changes the brain, um, but the impact also emotionally and of course spiritually is is profound. And it makes me wonder what the uh, the pervasiveness and and ubiquitousness of of pornography has done to us as a as a society. Um, and it amazes good. me. Well, it amazes me that, that it's women who seem yeah. to be the primary marketplace for a book like this, right. that here we have a book that degrades women, mm-hmm. that sets them in a uh, context of being sexually exploited. Uh, it, you know, if I was a feminist, I think I'd see this as the greatest male lie of all time. The mm-hmm. irony is that the latest generation of feminists seem to regard pornography as somehow liberating for liberating. women. Liberating, right. Um, you know, the old, the old cliche, I've forgotten who said it first, you know, pornography is good for women as long as women remember what they're good for. Mm. Uh, it seems that, that this is the worst kind of sexual stereotyping. Yeah. And it really for Christians is. to be involved in this is just absolutely appalling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, hard to, it's hard to find the categories to describe that attitude, really. Right. I've been racking my brain just trying to figure out what the appeal is. And like Todd said, for one, the writing is so bad, I don't even know um, how you get through it. But, um, you know, I think that women feel empowered that they are actually finally an audience for this kind of um, writing and, and movies because men have been targeted as the audience so much. But here we're being objectified both ways. Mm-hmm. But it's like the secret's out of the bag that, you know, women can talk about sex and, and that they like it. And I just wonder, you know, what values and beliefs do all these women who are um, reading this and going to it and talking about it really have about their own sexuality? Yeah. And well, I wonder what the attitude would be if it was the daughters of yeah, these right. women that you're talking to, Amy. Uh, yes. I mean, one, you know, sometimes one can draw analogies with, you know, I watch a crime 
film where somebody gets shot in a crime film. I love something like The French Connection, for example, from the early 1970s. Well, the difference, of course, between, you know, The French Connection in the 1970s and Fifty Shades of Grey is nobody really gets killed in The French Connection. We all know it's a piece of fiction. She's really naked. Mm -hmm. somebody's daughter is really naked on that screen being looked at by all the men and women in the in the cinema it's not pretend nakedness it's real nakedness Mm -hmm. and that i think is a fundamental problem and i can't imagine uh what the the father the mother uh, of the women who act in this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. possibly think of it yeah, well, it's you know, Carl. In, earlier, you mentioned you know this the, the lie that surrounds so much of this, and um, what what I would appeal to to women about is that it's a really dangerous line that's crossed when when women begin to become as sexually frivolous as immature men, or uh, as 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 they begin to uh, to to feel like sexual license is. Um, is as small a thing as, as oftentimes immature uh, men do. This is not a good uh, development at all. You know, I find it interesting. It, it, by the way, it, to our listeners, as far as I know, I mean, I haven't read the book. Amy hasn't read the book. Carl hasn't read the book. We, uh, but that does not mean we cannot comment on it. it the, the news about this book and now the movie is 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 everywhere. I've read articles on on the book. We know what the material is. The, the lead character, I thought, quite again just just bad writing but uh, his name is christian gray oh <laughs> uh, you know that's deep um uh but obviously a a shot at at christians and their tendency to see everything in black and white and of course the writer the enlightened writer is going to help us to uh to move beyond those those strictures and uh this character christian uh explore his uh, I guess, funner side. But it makes me wonder what the biggest problem in evangelicalism is. Uh, you'd think by looking at a lot of what's being produced, a lot of what's being published, a lot of what's being blogged and preached, that the biggest problem in American Christianity is legalism. And, and I just think that that's false. Um, I, 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 my experience and what I'm seeing is that our biggest problem is not that we're too prudish. What do you all think? I would agree. Uh, I mean, legalism is an ever-present problem. There are always sure. going to be those who, who wish to, We're to born stand legalists. before the Lord yep. based on their own righteousness. Yep. But I think on the whole, there's such a reaction against anything that smacks of prudishness, mm-hmm. anything that smacks of old-style fundamentalism, anything that right. smacks of taboos. There's such a reaction against that that I wonder if we haven't lost a central concern for personal holiness. Right. The fact that as I say that sentence inside my head, I'm wanting to say, even though I'm not a pietist, right. Right. tells right. you something about the culture. Why right. should I even have to qualify that statement? Right. It's right. because of this, the, the way I think that, you know, you have it at what I would call the moronic tweetable level put forward mm-hmm. by, you know, the Tullians of this world, you know, yeah. no theological thoughts so profound they can't express it in 140 <laughs> characters. You have it, you know, the, the idiot end, if you like. And you also yeah. have it being articulated at the more sophisticated end of the church as well. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea that Christians should be different, Christians should look different, 
Christians should think different. Uh, Christians should say no to certain things that their non-Christian friends are quite happy to engage in or indulge in. It seems to have gone by the by. Yeah, and and clearly, because I, I think you can tell by the tenor of this discussion, we would strongly urge Christians not to go see this movie or to read this book. Um, clearly, uh, how how many copies has this thing sold, Amy? Did Over a hundred million. Over a hundred million. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have those sorts of numbers without evangelicals buying this book. And um, in in saying, please don't read this book. Please don't see this movie. Uh, I, I, I identify with what you're saying, Carl, because I feel like I've got to qualify that then. Now, we're not saying that you can't be okay with... We shouldn't have to... When, when God says, be holy because I'm holy, he doesn't then launch into several pages of saying, now by saying be holy because I'm holy, I'm not calling you to be legalists. He just says, be holy because I'm holy. Well, and he also... Yeah. I mean, we have so many indicatives. And I think that mm-hmm. th- this is another area where the church is lacking is just in good teaching. And so here we're talking about sexuality. I think the church has been too quiet in this topic. And mm-hmm. I think that this reveals a complete lack of maturity in what it even means to be a woman. Yeah. And so, and, the, and even the fact that you guys are talking about um, in the medical field, showing how our brains change when we see pornography. Well, the church should address that. I mean, this is something, it's not enough. This mm-hmm. movie won't be enough. They're going to have to move on to the next thing. That's why so yeah. many people want to read the book. And so here we have women being sexually objectified and then completely consumed and then now willingly abused under mm-hmm. submission. And yeah. this is all entertainment now. So, so Amy, what, what would you encourage um, the church to say? How, how, how can the church speak into this um, to be most helpful uh, for for women and and for men also in regard to how we think about sex and and sexuality body image that kind of thing. Um, well, it can be woven into so many different areas, um, but just beginning with the creation of man being made in the image of God. There's so much dignity there. There's so much that we um, are to mirror and reflect. And then you know getting into these verses like Carl brought up from Ephesians. Um, what a marriage symbolizes. Um, I have a friend of mine just emailed me a wonderful response saying, her name's Anna, and she said, she talked about the meeting of the woman at the well with Jesus. And she says, we meet him at the well with our desires, our empty jars, that we have had five husbands, and the one that we're living with now is not our husband. And he gives us the living water of his word that satisfies us as we move toward meeting him and finding consummate satisfaction. Wow. You know, the, yeah. these are great theological deep answers to for even married women who is the main audience reading this book who are, you know, obviously dissatisfied in their sex lives and are immature in the way that they're approaching that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see I see the church's role here in part is to is to not only go straight to a Genesis one framework to understanding gender, sexuality, the complementary nature of of male and female in the image of God, so that we be, can begin to think about sexuality as something that is ultimately for the glory of God. We need that, and we also, because we're sinners, need these calls away from immorality and towards holiness. Carl, what do you think? Yeah, well, as we're about to wrap up now, I think probably do no better than to read from the greatest pietist of them all, Hmm. uh, the Apostle Paul, 
uh, Ephesians 5. Uh, interesting enough, a chapter where, of course, he will go on to talk about the relationship between man and a wife. But this is how the, the chapter kicks off, uh, verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. And then there's the real punch. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. It's a pretty clear clarion call there for uh, Christians to commit themselves to lives of sexual purity doesn't mean we can't talk about sex in the church. It's part of life. We, we have to address all of life. But it does set parameters for how we talk about it. And it also sets parameters, I think, for the kind of things which we are allowed to indulge in as, as entertainment. And for me, the pornography that is embodied by something like Fifty Shades of Grey, whether it's uh, an execrable novel or whether it's an atrocious B-movie, uh, is clearly out of bounds uh, as far as the Apostle Paul is concerned. I can't agree to disagree Fighting like I'm fighting for life they only words but they cut like a blade Swinging while we're full of my mind Oh yeah, I guess it's all of that coffee That's got my mind in the world Oh yeah This has been Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Remember to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, where you can sign up for a free MP3 download of a sermon by Peter Jones entitled Pagan Sexuality. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include Reformation21.org, the Bible Study Hour, and events held from Florida to Sacramento. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNets.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue to bring you Mortification of Spin with your support. To make a donation, please visit MortificationOfSpin.org or call 800-488-1888. Please join the gang again next week and don't forget to enter for your chance to win a free MP3 set. Yeah, yeah, that's just really bad. I, I, I must say, <laughs> sorry, my, uh, I'll try to cover the microphone. <laughs> Can you shoot the dog? <laughs> I think it's time for him to go. That dog. <laughs>